God is so faithful. God is so good. And that message of the cross, that message of love and grace and mercy that you don't deserve needs to be the thread in which you hear the message that God has for us as a church today. Please hear me. We're going to talk in a moment of the foundation in which this three-week series is built on, but you need to hear me. Every single thing that God speaks through his holy word and through his spirit stems from the blood that was shed on the cross, which spells out grace and salvation for you. And yes, as I've prepped it, and hopefully you're on your toes sitting on the edge of your seat, this Sunday marks a series where we're going to talk about God's call to the church. God is speaking. Do you believe he's speaking? He's been speaking throughout uh, the history of our world. And the cross of Jesus, as you saw last week, is a wake-up call to anybody living a life without him. And this wake-up call is filled with such mercy and grace and unconditional love and forgiveness and the pain and the sacrifice that he paid for you. It's a wake-up call. Jesus said before he went to the cross that it is only through him, it is only through the truth of God that he is the word. He says, I am the life. You cannot have life after this life apart from Jesus. And he said, I am the way. You cannot live life apart from the ways of Jesus. Amen? And so I don't feel like I'm preaching at you. I would love for you to participate. Just so I don't feel like I'm this military sergeant uh, uh, pastor. I want you to speak to me too. I want us to learn this together. But this is a wake-up call. And this is a incredible, life-changing, miraculous wake-up call. And if you heard this wake-up call, and if you believe the wake-up call in Jesus, and you have received the wake-up call by his presence literally coming and making residence in your life, then this wake-up call this morning is for you. I believe there is a wake-up call for the world and what's going on out there, but this three-week message is not for them. It is for anyone who calls themselves a Christian. And we're living in an age where the word Christian doesn't mean anything anymore. Unless you're living it. Because the name Christian is just ignored. How many of you have been burnt from the church and said, I'll never walk through the church doors again? Because what Christians stand for is not the Jesus that I came to know. I pray that Elevation Community Church would never be convicted of that. We are saved by grace and grace alone. And so this message to wake up is for anyone who calls themselves a Christ follower. Church, it's time to wake up. Our days are shorter than they are longer. You look around us, the signs are all around us. And I'm, I know I was in church when I was three years old and I heard that. But you just look, I'm not going to go into details because I have a different message to share this morning. 
as you can see in the image, there's what we would call like a trumpet of some sort. But it's actually a clarion, not a clarinet, a clarion. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the word, the phrase clarion call. That's exactly what's happening, okay? Clarion call is, it's this horn. It's not a pleasant sight. That's why you don't see a clarion in a symphonic orchestra. It is obnoxious and it it overrides any other sound. And it calls attention. And usually it was used in Israel, not the shofar. Don't get them mixed up. Shofar was a call to worship. Shofar was a call to the presence of God. This is a call to wake up. Someone is invading our city. Or in our town, it would be like those, those emergency sirens that they test every Wednesday. Yeah, they'll wake you up, won't they? It's, it's a call to say, wake up. Look around you. Stop. Wipe the fog away from your eyes and listen. And this message has been heavy on my heart for about four weeks now, and I haven't been able to shake it, and so that's why we're taking a time out in the a chapter a day as far as Sunday morning teaching. So hopefully you're in your small groups because that's what you're going through. And this is not an easy message. It shouldn't be because that's why it's called a wake-up call. And I want to give just a, a couple clear instructions before we start this three-week series. Number one, this is not G-rated. And so if you have kids under the age of five, and why I say that is because, honestly, kids five years old are going to sometimes PG-13 and R-rated movies anyways. So this content, they need to know it. So parents, I'm doing you a favor. And I'm not, I'm not I, I, believe me, I'm not, I, I'm not being harsh I'm not being rude or disrespectful. I'm just saying we need to have these conversations. And so if your child has not had conversations about items that is happening in New York and Virginia and things around us, then this is the time to take them back to eKids, okay? Also, parents, I'm just asking you, not not for my sake, but for those around you that really need to hear, uh, if your child is just a little... um, agitated or they're, they're just not able to, to stay rested. We do have a nursery. We do have a toddler space. Uh, we'd like for you to go in there. I wish we had a back wall to, to separate the sinks. We're in the lobby, but we don't, so sound carries. We're just asking you, and I'm sorry if that keeps you from, from hearing the message, but I'm so thankful that we have live stream so we can watch it again and again. I'm also asking for all of you, to just ask the Lord right where you're at to just speak to your heart. Because as I said last week, if the Holy Spirit is not convicting you, the Holy Spirit's not opening your eyes, there is nothing I can do. There is nothing I can say to make that happen for you. It is only through the power of the cross and the resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we just need to ask the Lord to open our hearts, our eyes. I want to let you know that the elders of this church, there's eight of us. And the pastoral staff have been praying. And I have them symbolically standing behind me, holding my arms up. 
So this is not just me as your pastor giving this message. This is the whole leadership team of the church. If you are hearing today and the next two weeks, if you hear anything, any voice, any message that you translate into condemnation, that is not the voice of Jesus Christ. That is not the voice of God. That is the voice of Satan and his demonic forces. It is a lie. And as we see in Romans 1, we see that from the fall, What did mankind do? They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. The devil is all about lies. That's what he lives on. That's that's his game playbook. And so we need to learn. I'm so thankful Breaking Free is this weekend. We need to learn how to identify what is a lie and what is truth of God. Condemnation, guilt, and shame is not of God. And if you believe it is, preach it somewhere else. Not here. Because condemnation was crucified on the cross when he took your sin and mine. And so if you hear condemnation in this, That is a lie from the enemy, and it is not what we're teaching. It is not what Jesus stands for, and it's not what he was called to do. We good? Awesome. Also, for for some of you, maybe you aren't a Christian. And again, I said um, this message isn't necessarily for you, although I would love for you to hear it and contemplate what God is speaking through it. But if this message offends you, And if this message stirs something so difficult and it brings up past stuff, I just want to let you know that God is a God of grace and a God who loves you. And I just ask you to just give it to the Lord. And I would love to be able to walk with you and guide you through the word. The last thing I'm going to ask you before we start is I want you to take ownership in this as we depart this week, and I'll give you some next steps and applications, but I want you to continue to ask the Lord, Lord, show me my heart. Search my heart. Show me, oh God. Psalms 140. Show me, oh God. Show my sinful heart. And I just want to say, you know, I believe that the day of the church just giving you candy-coated fluff is over. It's over. We are living in the last days. We are living in a time where God is calling us to wake up and walk in grace and truth and love, but you are the hope to a dying world. The person next to you is not. You are. And when we see everything happening around us, we need to ask God, what should I do? How am I supposed to respond? And guys, we live in a day when the church of Christ is badgering and damaging sheep and lost people in the name of Jesus. That has to stop. We need To show them that we're a Christian by our love, 
uh, grace and speaking truth to them in a way that the Holy Spirit will wake them up. And this is a statement that I've declared for 2019 and beyond. In 1998, God called me to ministry, not lead pastor. Never thought I would be up here on this platform at all. But I believe we're in a time where the vision that the Lord has given me is going to be the purpose that we're going to see in the church is an awakening through worship, an awakening through God's word, an awakening from gathering together and becoming the church that we see in scripture. And so, friends, I wrote this down and I'm going to stick to it. We are not going to shy away from addressing real truths and real situations and hard conversations guided by the real truth of Jesus Christ in his word, guided by the ways of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and the soon return of Jesus. And we're not going to shy away from addressing these real situations soaked in real grace and truth. If it's not soaked in real grace and truth, it's not the voice of God. Okay? So I want you to pray with me because I need the Holy Spirit to empower us in this work. God, I thank you for the confidence that we have, that we can boldly enter into your throne room right now, February 24th at 10.53. Your presence is here, oh God. And I just pray you would eliminate every distraction, Father. And you would allow us to press in that we would be changed from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I got to get moving, okay? As I get into the issue and and the wake-up call, we need to have it grounded in several different things. And so as you hear something that is hard to, to, to receive, as you hear something that you're confused about, that you just don't understand, always go back to these things that ground us in the word of God. Number one is the sovereignty of God. Can you say the sovereignty of God? God is sovereign. Do you believe that? He is faithful. He is in control. Nothing gets past him that he doesn't allow or approve. Sin does not come from him. Destruction in the sense of punishment and and sickness and all this stuff doesn't come from him. He can't sin. He can't tolerate darkness, but he allows it into a fallen world. But he's also sovereign. Do you believe that God can work through any situation, any obstacle, anything that the enemy thwarts in your way? God is sovereign. He can take your past mistakes as awful as they are, and he can turn them into such good for his kingdom. That's sovereign. He is in control. If you don't believe me, read Colossians 1 where it says, in the beginning, he was, he was before the beginning. In him all things were made, and for him, or, uh, for him all things were made, and by him all things hold together. He is sovereign. He is sovereign. Hebrews 4 says this, For the word of God is a lot, excuse me, that's not that. Forgive me, that's the next one. (laughs) Uh, uh, Colossians 29, it's not going to be on the screen. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. 
You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. He is sovereign and in control. And though our world gets more and more and more out of control, we have to come back to the foundation that God has never changed and he will never lose power and control. He is God Almighty. And guess what? We are not. The second groundwork is the word of God. Can you say the word of God? The word of God. Hebrews uh, Hebrews, uh, let me see, uh, Hebrews 4 says, for the word of God, Hebrews 1, excuse me, (laughs) for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharper two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's That's the power of the word of God. It works itself from the inside out. But the thing is, is you cannot understand the word of God, the powerful word of God, if the holy presence of God through Holy Spirit is not present with you. And that's the third groundwork, the presence, the holy presence of God. The Bible says that you are a temple of the Lord. If you have received Jesus' salvation and you walk in him, the spirit of God abides and dwells in you. That should rock you right now to the core. And then the last groundwork, so we have the sovereignty of God, we have the word of God, we have the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And then we have the glory of God through Jesus. Just say Jesus. Oh, there's power in the name of Jesus. We have the ways of Jesus, we have the truth of Jesus, and we have the life of Jesus. If this message and this three-week series is not soaked and saturated in the ways of Jesus, we are lost. And we better close our doors because we're going to be hurting people and turning them away from Jesus. And we're going to be held accountable for that. This is serious stuff. Because it's eternity at stake. Speaking of condemnation, it says in Romans 8 that therefore, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In another scripture in the, in the Gospels, Jesus says, I have come not to condemn. I haven't come to condemn the world, but to save it. And so we need to always go back and look at what Jesus thinks about it. We need to look at the ways that Jesus operated while on earth. We need to look at the life of Jesus. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to empower us to live like that. That's, that, that, that biblical word is called sanctification. Living and looking more and more like Jesus. And so now, um, now I'll share with you where we are. I want us to look at the problem that I believe the Lord is trying to wake up his church to, okay? To wake us up and to call us to a response. Pastor Daniel has been leading the small group movement of talking about 
hearing from God. That is essential to a, a believer's life. If you're not hearing from God, you're not walking with him. He's just kind of like your college roommate that you don't talk to. But yet he's your roommate and best friend for some reason, right? We need to hear from God, but that isn't enough. God calls us to respond. And so there was a problem thousands of years ago. And I want to take you back to the time of King David. And he had a desire to build the temple for the Most High God. But because he had blood-stained hands, God said, you will not build the temple, but your son Solomon will build the temple for my glory. So they built the temple in God's design, and it was designed for worship to God because, again, the Holy Spirit did not dwell with people because of sin. Jesus had not come yet to lay his life as a sin offering so that we don't have to keep uh, bringing our dogs and cats and blameless, uh, spotless uh, animals and put them on the, off, uh, the, the altar of sacrifice. Jesus came once and for all to pay the penalty for our sins so that we can boldly enter into the presence of God. But in the Old Testament before Jesus came, that's not how it worked. They had a temple and God dwelt in the Holy of Holies and it was divided uh, by a curtain. And only the high priest would go in once a year once a year in the presence of God to make an atonement for the sins. So I'm setting this up. Now, imagine with me, whatever your temple looks like uh, in your mind, you go out of Solomon's temple and you come around the corner of where the Holy of Holies is. And then you're going to just take a left and you're going to walk, not even a block. And there's almost like a, a little cliff that goes down into a valley. Okay. Right outside the Holy of Holies. Right. And we walk down into the valley, and this valley is called the Valley of Ben-Hinnon. Ben-Hinnon. And what it is, is a valley right outside the Holy of Holies, okay? It is a valley in which people worshipped two different gods, false gods. The god of Baal and the god of Moloch. Now, God, Moloch was the main god of sexuality, and people worshipped Moloch like, like it was their everything. Hmm, correlation? Sex was everything to them. So much so that guess what they would lay on the altar? Their children. I'm not joking. They would sacrifice their babies on an altar, a sacrifice to a false God. Romans 1, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they pursued everything except God. The God of Moloch and the God of Baal offered pleasures, offered wealth. And it consumed these people outside of the Holy of Holies where God's presence dwelt. They were sacrificing their family, their babies on this altar to this God of sexuality. But the thing that's 
very interesting. And we find this in Jeremiah chapter 19. Just about this. You think I'm making this up? I'm not. Can we put this on the screen? So this is what the Lord says to me in Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet to the Israelites. Go and buy a clay jar. Then ask some of the leaders of the people of the priests to follow you. Go out through the gate of broken pots to the garbage dump. The garbage dump. In the valley of Ben-Hinnon. And give them this message. And what you need to understand as well is the valley of Ben-Hinnon became known to people around them as the valley of Topeth. And the Hebrew word of Topeth is the valley of the drum. The valley of the drum. I want you just to keep this in mind. And the Lord says, say to them, listen to this message. Wake up call, right? This message is from the Lord. You kings of Judah and citizens of Jerusalem, this is what the Lord of heavens of of, of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, I think that's enough, right? Says, I will bring terrible disaster on this place and the ears of those who hear about it will ring. Next, please. For Israel has forsaken me and turned this valley into a place of wickedness. Whenever you forsake God of the universe, the one, the true, the Alpha and Omega, this is what happens. A place of wickedness. The people burn incense to foreign gods, idols, never before acknowledged by this generation, by their ancestors, or by the kings of Judah. And they have filled this place with the blood of innocent children. They have built pagan shrines to Baal, and they have they burned their sons. They burned their sons as sacrifices to Baal and Moloch. I've never commanded such horrible deed. It never even crossed my mind to command such a thing. This is God Almighty speaking. So beware, for the time is coming, says the Lord, when this garbage dump will no longer be called Topeth. But the valley of slaughter. And why? they began to call it the valley of the drum. It's because when people would lay out their children, their sacrifices, their everything, and lay them on the burning altar, there were drums and tambourines all around that valley. Why? To drown the cries of the children burning to death. You hear it? And now the problem today, thousands of years friends, have come and gone. And we still have the same problem. 
And we don't call it the valley of slaughter. We call it choice. Now remember, guys. Remember. This is not condemnation. Some of you right now have experienced this. You've gone through it. You are so loved. And the cross pays it all. It pays it all. And I know that many of you have wounds from this. You have different opinions, and that's okay. I'm just speaking what we're seeing God saying and what we're hearing God say. We cover it up, guys. This is not the only issue we cover up. We cover up sexual immorality by saying it's your sexuality you choose. God never said that. So why do we have this problem? It's because you and I chose to exchange God's truth for a lie. We're all in that boat. All of us. And we live in a culture that says it's okay. It's not okay. It's murder. And I understand that years ago we could argue if at four weeks if the baby's heartbeat was going and if, you know, the ethical situation of that. But guys, since the last 45 years, we have murdered in our country 60 million babies. And the Lord doesn't call it abortion. The Lord doesn't call it a choice. He calls it slaughter. Because if we believe in the word of God and we believe Psalms 139, turn with me. It's not on the screen because the Lord just gave this to me. Oh, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise. For you formed my inward parts. Conception. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately, you woven me in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. I think a lot of times we just avoid the truth because it's too hard to hear. And the drum keeps pounding. We don't have a valley of an altar of sacrifice where people just go and lay their kids on the burning altar. But isn't it amazing that it was right outside the Holy of Holies? And now that Jesus has come and given us good news and salvation for all of us, anyone who has Christ's salvation written over them has the spirit of God. The Bible says that you are now the temple of God. 
So when you read the Old Testament about the temple, that's you. That is a foreshadow of you. So now we have Holy Spirit filled temples walking around. And we have valleys of the drum all around us. And people hurting and struggling and wrestling with the decision. Some not wrestling at all because it's just a convenience after worshiping the God of sex. And now it's just a convenience and we live in a culture that it's okay. Because it's all about the better you. And God says, no. That's not it at all. And so we have the cries of babies. God's creation being drowned out. By the beat of the drum, whatever that may be, it may be media, it may be entertainment, it may be apathy, it may be laziness, it may be fear, because I experience fear. What is the drum that we're listening to? By the way, this is not a political message. I don't care what side of the fence you sit on, I don't. This is not a government issue. This is not an abortion issue. This is not a sex issue. We don't have an abortion problem. We don't have a sex problem. We have a worship problem. Hello. It's time to wake up, church. I mean, did you feel that in your chest? God is calling us to wake up. We have a worship problem, and yet we go and we condemn and we judge those who are a part of this, who are supporting this, who have no idea, who are working for agencies and organizations that are doing this, and we start to cast the blame. No, we have a worship problem. We have gotten away from worshiping the one true God And we have pursued other gods that don't exist. And we've laid our lives and we've laid things and possessions and wealth. And you may not even lay your child literally on the sacrifice, uh, on the altar of sacrifice. But I guarantee you, you have sacrificed your kids for the things that you do. What is the drum? God is speaking to us, and I'm just imploring you to listen. He no longer calls this the valley of the drum, this nation the valley of the drum. He calls it slaughter. We don't have an abortion problem. We don't have a political problem. I don't care who's president. Now, I will say this. Look up facts of what our president stands for with abortion. And it's biblical. But this is not a political problem. This is not a political fight. And I'll get to that. Don't tune me out. I'll get to that. I'm trying to get us to understand that we have a worship problem. And if we would start to sound the alarm about the one true God, And the good news that the cross brings. And that he desires for us to worship him and him alone. And what things would change if God's called children would start.
to live a life of worship and be light in the darkness. So what do we do with this call? What do we, what do we do? Churches for hundreds of years have been dealing with this. Some incredibly biblical and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Some absolutely unbiblical and filled with the power of man. What do we do? How do we leave this place? What do we do? Oh, I know. I'll put a quote from Pastor Phil on Facebook. And I'll just stir the pot and make sure that everyone really sees it. You laugh, but that's what's happening. What do we do? And so for the remaining of our time, to launch us into next week and the following week, what do we do? Number one, we press in and we listen. We take off the headphones that are beating the drum in our heads to keep us from hearing the sounds and the cries of hurting people. I'm gonna say it again, friends. This is not a message of condemnation. We have some people listening, some people here who have who have uh, had an abortion. And they are still fighting that war and that battle of guilt and shame. And I want to let you know right now, men or women who have been a part of that, I want to lead you to the precious cross of Jesus. He removes your sin as far as the east is from the west. He loves you. And you're broken, but I'm jacked up and broken and messed up too. And I have sin in my life that has destroyed me and others. But I am walking a walking testimony that God, teens, God took the sin in my life. God took how I, I wrongfully treated girls in relationships. God took the things that I looked at. God took the things that I've said to people that have hurt me and he has washed them away to where when God sees Phil, he does not see his sin. He sees the cross. And for all of you, you have to go back to the cross. So for those of you who have been caught in abortion or caught on a side of supporting it or even saying it's okay, I just want you to deal with the cross. Ask God what he thinks about it. Ask God what he thinks about you. And we're going to look at Jesus. We're going to look at Jesus. We're going to look at what he did. Because if we're not operating in the reflection of Jesus, we're not following Jesus, right? And so let me take you back to John 8. You can turn with me there. I'm just going to tell you the story. But Jesus is teaching, and crowds of people have gathered Jesus. So Jesus is, he doesn't, he knows this, but no one else knows it because he's God. He knows that, okay, we're going to have a shakedown. A UFC fight is coming to town, and it's going to come right here. And he's teaching, and what, what, what happens? His ad. His uh, adversaries, his, his, the people who are supposed to be the hope of God, the resource of hope to God, are against Jesus. 
And they come and they throw this sinful, awful, adulterous woman who's sleeping with other husbands. By the way, I want to know, where's the husband? Where's the man? He is as guilty of sin as she is. Hello. Jesus even says that. Isn't that crazy? In the situation of abortion, where's the man? Come on, Bob. Where's your ownership in this? I love you. And here is the opportunity for Jesus to condemn this woman. If anybody could condemn, it was him. And Jesus walks to this woman. He pursues her. And then he does something absolutely crazy. He gets down on the ground. And he writes something in the sand. And to this day, we don't know. I mean, he could have been writing emojis for all we know. We don't know. And then he reaches out to this guilty, condemned, filthy, defiled prostitute. And he touches her chin. And then he looks at all of those with stones in their hand, ready to cast the judgment. And he says, any of you who are without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. Do you notice too? Jesus didn't get up and get away. He was right there with her. So he would have been hit too. They all dropped their stones and they turned away. Jesus looks back into her eyes and says, look around. Where are your accusers? And she says, they're gone. And he says, neither do I accuse and condemn you. Stand up. Go and don't live that life of sin and bondage anymore. You're free. And so we see on the slide, we see Jesus. What does he do? He pursues her. Can you put that slide up there, Chris, for me? He pursues her. He walks towards her. He gets on her level. He lifts her chin. He looks her in her tear-filled, swollen eyes. And he shows unbelievable kindness. Stop there. The Bible says that Jesus was the essence and permeated the glory of God. The glory of God dwelled and flowed through Jesus every waking second. And do you know, if you look at everything we know about Jesus and all the encounters of Jesus, do you know one of the key areas that Jesus reflects the glory of God? It's in his kindness. The Bible says that it's actually his unbelievable Unconditional kindness that leads us to repentance. Not his fear and his wrath and his condemnation that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness. 
He shows unbelievable kindness. And so now Christians, I want us to understand the sobering truth of what often, I'm not accusing anyone, but generally speaking, what has happened through people who call themselves Christians. This is what we do. We push them away. You're a stumbling block to me. Get away. We're not going to deal with this. You're wrong. This is sin, and you need to get right with God. You're going to hell. We push them away. And then we cast judgment. You're going to hell. This is not God's plan for your life. You're going down the wrong road. This world is going to hell in a handbasket. And then we condemn. We push people out of the church. Why? What? And then we look away and we cast blame. Well, they weren't going to listen anyways. Their life is just way too messed up. We forget the power of the cross. And then instead of showing kindness, we show hatred in the name of Jesus. Talk about blasphemy. Now, the message of hope. Jesus wants this to change. Because as long as we're operating in the right side, we are not following Jesus. I understand that in the last 30, 40 years, we've done a lot of protesting, and I think some of it has been very positive, and it's, it's awakened the call. It's sound the alarm. But personally, you look at a lot of the protesting going on, and it's beating the drum. And so I'm going to ask you, if you're one to where your only response is to just hold up a sign that says abortion is sin, that you would do something about it. Go meet with that girl who just had an abortion. Buy her a meal and just hear her story. We have to respond with kindness. We have to stop picking up stones and throwing them. Well, what about, you know, saying this is wrong? Yeah, it is wrong. Jesus said adultery was wrong, but he didn't stone the girl. He loved her. He forgave her. And so the next three weeks, we're going to talk about what is the church's response I'm asking you to make this a priority and you will cancel anything that comes in your way to be here. And if you can't cancel, that you would join us live stream. Because this is crucial, guys. This is, this is the world we're living in and this is the call to the church. So our response, I'm gonna go way more into it next week. But our response is not about being silent. I'm not saying that at all. We do need to speak up. We do, absolutely. You have a voice for a reason. We need to speak up. We need to sound the alarm. But if it's just throwing something on Facebook or copying an article just for shock value, that's not effective. 
What are you doing about it? It's not about being silent. It's all about how we respond. It's not about speaking out against someone, but it's about how we act and respond. Okay? For so long, the church has fought this issue by fighting, punching, screaming, kicking, condemning, accusing, and even spitting. That is not the fight that Jesus fought. He did that on the cross while he was spit at, while he was beaten, while he was falsely accused and falsely condemned. He took it for us. We should never walk that way, ever. That's not the spirit of Christ. Now, yes, do write a letter to our congresspeople. Do write a letter to our representatives. But if you're throwing stones in the letter, guess what? They're not going to read it. They're going to throw it away. What about speaking love and truth to them and saying, we're hurting. And we're looking for answers. Do you have any? Because I don't know if I can continue 60 million more in 40 years from now. Babies, blood on our hands. We have to do something about a church. But here's our call to action today. And the band can come up. There's two things I want you to do today and throughout this week. Number one. Number one is we need to repent. Why? Because of God's kindness. That he still loves us. And he hasn't given up on us. But we need to turn from our sin and we need to ask for forgiveness. We need to ask the Lord to give us his eyes and his heart. And number two, we need to respond in prayer. And with that, I'm asking everyone here and who hears me. I'm asking you to refrain from posting anything about this on Facebook or social media this week. Nothing. And what I'm going to do is if I see you posting something about abortion, about this issue, I'm just going to friendly remind you, I'd rather you pray about it. Because we have been built in this culture to respond by action. And God's calling us to respond by seeking him first. This is where we've gotten it wrong as a church, and this is where I need to ask for your forgiveness. Since I've been in ministry for over 10 years, I am a person that really responds. I see a problem and I go to fix it. Well intentions, but so often I have left the Holy Spirit packed down into, you know, that ventriloquist case that I only bring them out when I need them to talk. And I've operated in my own strength. Please don't do anything this week about this item. But pray. Take time away to ask the Lord to show you your heart. And then I'm going to give you a heads up. Next Sunday, we are going to call our church to a seven-day fast.
because I believe the Lord's trying to get our attention. And nothing speaks, God, you've got our attention until we strip away food, or I know I'm going to stir the pot for some people, but I don't care if it's food, if it's media for our young generation, they crave media and their phone more than they do food. Whatever it is that you need to strip away in your life for seven days to slow down and ask, God, I'm here. Show me what you want me to do about the valley of the drum. Show me what has been pounding and drowning out the cries of 60 million babies. And show me how I can be light to darkness. That's how you fight it. That's how you fight it. Our battle is not in flesh and blood, but a powers of principalities. This is a worship issue. We fight it by coming to the throne of God and offering ourselves as living sacrifices to be light. We expose light and it takes care of the darkness. Father, we have sinned against you. And the blood of 60 million plus babies in this country are on our hands. And whether we believe this is politically correct, whether we believe this or that, whether we believe it's a choice, God, let us, let us hear you. Let us know your heart. And lead us, lead us into your presence, God. We want to be serious about you. But God, don't let us move forward if we haven't soaked ourselves in the kindness and the love and the grace that Jesus provides. So God, right now, as we sit in this moment, 